Okay, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to John chapter 8. Speaking of, uh, uh, Carol mentioned something about genes. Um, we're all interested, aren't we, in where we get our genes from? Um, I know I, I have a unique story, you know, story. I won't say much about it, but, you know, I grew up really interested in the family tree. Uh, kind of cool finding out you know some people in my ancestry um and then later to learn that I, i'm adopted and uh then realizing i'm biologically from another tree you know so you know it's it's interesting a lot of times to look back at those things and see who you are related to right um, this morning we're going to, you know, it, it really kind of boils down to two fathers. We're going to look at that this morning. Je- that's the way Jesus boiled it down. Um, two very different fathers. You know, it was, you know, kind of to give a kind of a, a backdrop to what's going on in, in this passage where we're going about to read. You know, it been a couple thousand years after the flood. A time, second temple. Um, a time where there was a group of people who had literally had the scriptures memorized. And who taught from those scriptures the best they knew how. And at this time, there's one who comes on the scene almost unnoticed. The one that everybody has been looking for, but has no idea that he's there. This one shows up to Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles and is amongst the people. He's in the temple area. He's teaching. He's confronted on many occasions. In fact, you could almost say there's a warrant out for him. There's all kinds of testimonies about him. They weren't sure, the people weren't sure what to really believe. No man has ever spoke like this man. He speaks with authority. But yet our leaders, they go so far to say, our leaders go far to say, so far to say that he's demon possessed. What if he were to come into our world today? What would your view be? So don't don't go to make harsh judgments before we look at some things. Uh, 
So I'm going to pick it up here, verse 31, John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him. Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them. If you were Abraham's children. You would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? Sorry, I meant meant to stop right prior to that. Um. I'll just go ahead and finish there. And if, if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Nobody wants to be wrong. You know, when you... Especially when you when you when you when you notice that you are wrong, there's a desire inside to deceive yourself and tell you that you're not. It's built in. Because when you're wrong, especially when you're doing if you're in something that there's extreme amount of shame or guilt upon you, you can't handle it. You can't live with yourself. 
So somehow you have to tell yourself, convince yourself that that's okay. Where do we get that? It's definitely not from the Heavenly Father, is it? No. It's from this other Father. Sometimes the most striking thing to, to, to really understand or come to believe and to see and realize is that we were born that way. We're by nature objects of God's wrath because of the inheritance, what we have inherited from Adam. Okay, so these fathers, you know, let's let, let's kind of look at these scriptures. Let's go back um, back up here. I want to kind of magnify on some of this. You know, he says uh, he says to those who believe, if, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall shall make you free. And and you know, they come at him. And they, they bring up that they are Abraham's descendants, okay? And that they've never been in bondage. Because, you know, Jesus never really said anything. He just said, he hasn't said the, the slave word yet. But they are automatically see that freedom has to do with, the opposite of freedom is slavery, okay? And, so they, they, they automatically say that, that the first thing they say is who they're, who they descended from. We're safe because we're, we're descendants of Abraham. What do you find safety in? Living in Texas? You have, you find safety in who, who, who your, what your last name is? Do you find safety in your credentials? Do you find safety in what you have, your possessions? There's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that we can find safety in, or think we have safety in. <clears throat> okay, so Jesus is saying that they, that He has something that can set them free. And then they, you know, like they they come back and say they're Abraham. Abraham's sons. You know, if you're if you're Abraham's sons, he, he makes the point. You're Abraham's sons, but you seek to kill me. Abraham didn't do that. If you're truly Abraham's sons, do what he did. And then he goes to say a shocking thing. You do the works of your father, the devil. I don't know. I don't know about you, but that would really startle me. Let's go back here a minute on this slavery thing. You know, he says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I'm not going to focus on sin. I'm going to focus on the slavery. Okay. A slave does not abide in the house forever. What did Jesus come to do? You know, if we look at if you look at Luke four, and you can turn there if you want, but 
and eight, if, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read verse 18. But he's, you know, Jesus goes to Nazareth. He goes to the synagogue, and as was customary for him, he takes the scroll and he reads from it. And he reads this passage from Isaiah. In verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Did he just come to... Now, now let's think about this. Did he just come to preach the gospel to the poor? Are we talking about those that have nothing versus the rich? Or is he using, is that word talking about something else? I would vote that it's talking about something else. I think rich people need the same gospel as, as the poor. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. Is it just about blindness, physical blindness? Is that the whole thing he came to do was just to heal the blind, the people that can't see physically? It's so much more than that. Jesus and the Although he can take care of any of your physical problems, the reason for his coming was so much more than that. He could, if he took care of all your physical problems, you'd still have a big problem. You're going to die. And you've got a bigger problem than that. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your sins and in, in, in in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. You're dead. He came to change all that. He came unnoticed. Nobody knew who he was, where he came from, what he was here for. All they could see was his physical plane. And to some he was unimpressive or whatever. But they always, and they're always demanding a sign from him. Show us something so that we can see. If we see, we'll believe, right? No, they no. They, he, he did all kinds of things, and so many people, they all abandoned him at the cross. We think, well, if he could just, if we could just see something, that would convince everybody. No, there's a bigger problem than that. He came to bring you true freedom. He came to deliver you from the captivity of the false father. He came to really set you free. You don't have to be in bondage to that anymore. Am I am I gonna sin? Yeah, I'm still gonna sin. But I don't have I don't have the guilt, the weight of all of that upon me anymore. I am free. How many of you need to be free? I mean, I'm talking free. Jesus can do that for you. No, you're not going to be perfect, but you know what? I'm forgiven. 
He has no hold on me anymore. Now I can truly see. We have a really big problem today in our world. I don't think it's anything new. But it's invaded the church. We think that all that we can see is the very most importance. We bring our kids up to chase all this stuff. We spend all of our time about this. And we care very little. And you might say, oh yeah, I care. Yeah, the words of your mouth are saying that. But what about your actions? Are you really doing something about it? Or are you just a slave to the way the, the tr- false father is leading you? He tells you that all these other things are important. That you have to have this. Your house has to look like this. You have to have this many kids and all this stuff. Then you'll be happy. Ask the people that have all that. Most of them want to take their life. What I'm trying to say this morning is this false father is not out there somewhere. And the followers of that false father are not outside there. If we're really honest, it's in here a lot. It's in here. It's time we do something about that. You know, there's freedom. You don't have to be slave to that anymore. Anyway, that really wasn't what I was expecting. This false father. Let me let, let me give you some some obvious things that are opposed between the true father and the false father. The true father has always existed. Always existed. And and sometimes, you know, we we can say that real easy. But if you really think about that, it's really complex and beyond understanding. Before all that we see, he was there. He didn't need anything else. Self-sustained. But yet he created everything we see, including the false father, the devil. Okay? He's a created being. Does he have powers? He has powers, but he's created. He cannot compete at all with God. In fact, I think God uses him. And I think he's a tool. He doesn't realize it. You know, God raised up all kinds of... Look, Pharaoh. He raised Pharaoh up for what? For a purpose to bring God more glory. He raised him up for that. I think the devil is a tool that God can use to purify the church. If you really search the scriptures, you can find that. Read about the seven churches in Revelation. 
You know, I think, to me, the, the state of the church, it's like going to the doctor for a checkup and him say, coming in and you think, man, everything's good. And he says, it's a lot worse than you think. That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm telling you this morning. It's a lot worse than you think. Okay, the true father, he's all powerful. There's nothing that can compete with God. The false, his power is subjected to what God allows him. Okay? You know, <clears throat> I remember, you know, when I, when I learned that the devil does have some power, it kind of struck me, um, you know, especially when you read, like in Matthew 4, uh, the temptation of Christ, you know, when he goes out and he's, he's, he's driven out in the wilderness and he's to be tested by the devil. And the devil, he offers him all these things. And Jesus doesn't say, well, you don't have that. You can't give me that. He doesn't say that at all. He doesn't, he doesn't bring him down. You know, he, it, so it, it's, it's like he, you, you do have this power, but I'm not going to take it, you know. The true father is confident. He doesn't have to prove anything. He does prove things. He has all kinds of witnesses. <clears throat> In fact, Jesus, when he came, he had all kinds of witnesses. He, he made sure he had witnesses to prove himself. This false father, he, he's not confident at all. He's very defensive. He's always defense, you know, just rise up. Um, of course, the true, there's life, and the false, there's death. The true father, there's tr- there's truth, and the false, there's just it's liar. He's a liar. What does he lie about? He knows the scriptures. He quoted them to Jesus. He knows the things that God says. He even asked Eve about it, didn't he? But he twists it. In the church, we we need to be aware. There are false teachers. There are false prophets. I love it in Greek, pseudoprophetes, pseudodidaskalos, false teachers, false prophets. Now, these false prophets, false teachers, who do you think their father is? Do you think it is really God? Can't be. They're false. Now, did they, you know, when they're growing up, say, I want to be a false prophet one day, or I want to be a false teacher? Think that was their goal in life? What happened? I don't think there's, there may be some that were, that are really evil like that. I think for the most, there's deception all over the place, right? They end up being deceived. How do you know a false teacher? He'll take, he'll teach you the scriptures, but he'll make, he'll bend them. To mean something else. Usually, they're all about themselves, full of pride, 
boastful. They reflect their true father. They lie. And usually in the, at the end of it, it's all about money. Right? Um, <clears throat> The true, the true serves. Didn't Jesus, wasn't he a servant? Just a servant. The false persecutes the true. The true is humble and submissive. As we just said, the false is proud and boastful. The true has the true fruits of the Spirit. And the false really has fruits of the flesh. The true image is God properly represents him. The false masquerades and imitates. Masquerades. The false teachers, false prophets, whatever, they're not going to come and say, Hey, I'm a false prophet or I'm a false teacher. They're not going to just announce it to you. A lot of times they don't even know they are. The deception is real. How do you like, do you like being tricked? Do you like being deceived? I, 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 you know, it's one of my pet peeves. You know, I hate it when somebody pulls a fast one on me. Um, Especially, you know, when you're young, if you and when you're naive and you really don't have much wisdom, that somebody can talk you into buying about anything, can't they? Why? Because this is what you need. Get this, and it'll fix all your problems, right? For honest, daily we're faced by deception. Why do they spend so much money on advertising? Because it works. You buy it, don't you? At least once. The true gives and the false takes. The true looks to heaven for a future kingdom. After all, we are just passing through, aren't we? Does it look like we're passing through? Yeah, you know, I've really had to I've had to really confront this in my own life. I might say I'm passing through, but do I live like that? Kinda looks like I'm staying here for a while. If I'm honest. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just trying to make us aware. <laughs> We're surrounded by this stuff. We're brought up in it. And it takes a, it really takes a lifetime to realize it and to work some of it out of us. We don't go to the grave perfect in this life. Our focus should definitely not be this life. Or is it, should we have our best life now? That's what the false father tells you. 
the false is consumed with this world, the here and now. I'm not saying there's not things that you face in this life that don't touch you and hit your emotions deeply because it does. But the good thing that we have is we're free from that. We have a better life awaiting us. We have a true hope that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The truth says there's one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. The false tells you all the other ways. There's many of them. If you see a bunch of people going somewhere or chasing something, you might want to think about it. The truth is sent by God. Jesus said, God sent me. The false, the best he can, they can do is want to be God. And I'll tell you what, I've looked at a lot of teachers. There are many who claim equality almost with God. It's scary. Try to teach you to be little gods. And I'm talking about well-known people. What I'm trying to make you aware of, you really need to, you really need to consider and study who you're following. They may not even know they're deceived, but I promise there's a deception and it's gonna, it can deceive many. The true exalts God and honors Him. The false exalts self. And dishonors God as a result. Isn't that what our world's all about today? It's all about me and how I. You know. You know. The truth is, these are the only eyes I have. This is the only way that you know. I it it has to come into me, and and yeah, there's people that that claim all these things, and I you know I can study it and all, but in the end, I have to make decisions on what I'm processing. It don't matter. I don't care how great you are or how how much of an honorable person you truly are in God and Christ. But even the best of us struggle with self. The true hears God's words. The false cannot Hear God's words. So you have to take an inventory. Can I really understand what God says? And if I can't, why? I really need to consider those things. So here he is. Jesus is with all these people. Who claim to be. The people of God. And Jesus tells them, you know, I speak what I've heard, I've seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. And he tells them, if you were, if you really were Abraham's children, you would do the works of him. But you seek to kill me. Something's not computing here. He's a man 
who has told them the truth. You know, I don't know if you realize this. We know Jesus can't lie. So how can he say it any different? How can he say, could he say, God didn't really send me? No, because God did send him. There's nothing that he, in this passage or, or nothing he ever said that can be false. In fact, in fact, you know, later on in, in that passage, you know, they, 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 they tell him he has a demon. He says, I don't have a demon. And, uh, they, they, they ask, you know, he tells them, you know, that, that Abraham, uh, saw his day and was glad and they're like are are you great are you greater than our father abraham and at that point i can't believe he can't he didn't say of course i am have you ever tried with your kids to convince them of something it's like how many ways do i have to say it What, what what's that, Kyla? <laughs> so I can't I can't imagine I can't imagine Jesus and the frustration he must have had amongst us. You know? Can't imagine it. Second Peter two says seventeen. He's talking about false teachers. They're wells without water. Clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackest darkness forever. They're wells without water. They have no water in them. 18, for they speak when they speak. Great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Let me tell you something. If somebody's preaching something to you and it and it makes your flesh happy, warning. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. If they come to the knowledge of Christ, and later are lured away in this, the end is worse than the beginning. It would have been better for them, verse 21, not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the proverb, the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed her walling in the mire. Ryle says, the power of self-deception in unconverted man is infinite. 
these Jews were not more unreasonable than many nowadays who say we are not dead in sin. We have grace. We have faith. We are regenerate. We have the Spirit. While their lives show plainly that they are totally mistaken. I don't know if that frightens you. You know what? <clears throat> I mean, it's it's frightening to me, you know, as as one as a teacher, because you you are accountable, really, to a higher level of what you teach. Consider what you teach. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. And not with the doctrines of men. The doctrines of demons. I'll give you, I'll give you this. <clears throat> Most of the times. These teachers. Will pull scriptures out of context. I'm going to read this to you and see what triggers in your mind. You know, the thing is, when we hear something, we process it. We have a decision to make of whether that is true or false. Even if it's out of the word of God. It's our responsibility to look at that in the Word of God in the context to make sure that it means what they're saying it means. Because I've heard, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this verse, especially when I was young. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred some 60 and some 30 fold. Some 100 fold. I've heard that taught so many times about money. If you read the context, money's not in there at all. In fact, if you read the context, he's talking about sowing a seed, and many false teachers will teach you. That that seed is is about money. If you look at, there's even an interpretation of that that Jesus gives, telling you what the seed is. It's the word of God. You don't have to raise your hand, but you know, think about how many of you had a different, you know, had that the thing about money in your mind. Why? Because you've heard it. Because you've heard it taught. There's so many there's so many things in scripture that that <clears throat> that the devil takes out of context to lead you down another way to lead you away from God and the the thing is you know a lot of times we end up believing it 
my my fo- my goal and our focus, you know, in their youth is to give them the word of God and to teach it properly. To give them a proper foundation so that when somebody tells them something that's not that doesn't sound right, they can examine it and they can they can say, No, that's not right. Stand up stand up for the truth. We gotta stand up for what's true. We're surrounded by the false. I mean it is it is it's invaded us magnificently. You know, if you have a plant <clears throat> you get a plant and you really care for this plant. And you go out and you plant it in the ground. And you spend time with that plant and you water it, care for it only for only two hours out of the week. And you do nothing for it the rest of the week. When you go back at at the end of the week to that plant, what are you going to find? Especially the weather we've been having. I've been pouring water on things. And it's gone. It's what many of us do with the Word of God. You know, and I'm I'm not, I'm not trying to come down on anybody because I realized that I was struggling really bad the last few a few years ago with even hearing what God says. With finding time to spend with him. You know, he created everything, including you. And who knows best about you and your future than him? But we listen to all kinds of other things. If you have this, you'll be successful and you'll be happy. No, you won't. If I'm, if I'm honest, I found myself, if I just had this, if I just did this, if I did, and you know what? Every time I attained, attained that thing, it was empty and I needed another fix. You know what? We're teaching our kids to be the same way. We're teaching them that if we water that plant two hours, it'll be alright. No, it won't. The bit, one of the biggest scandals of the church today is that we think we're good, but we really look a lot like the rest of the world. And I know I'm pointing out the obvious, and I know we're all frustrated. But we, can, we, we got this. We're free. We have true freedom in Christ. We don't have to be a slave to that other, all that. We don't have to be a slave to the enemy anymore. We have true freedom. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
for all you've done for us, Father. And for the Son you sent. Thank you, Father, for opening, for giving us the opportunity to see the truth, Father, through the person of Christ in your word. For not just leaving us to what we really do deserve. But for giving us true freedom. And giving us a true hope. Saved for us in in heaven. Father this is not something we need to hide. We need to tell the world. But Father we know that they can't see unless... And they can't hear unless you you give them that ability. Father, we have a responsibility to tell them anyway. Help us to do that, Lord. Please Please fix our focus. Fix my focus on what really does matter. Thank you for the opportunity of this life, Lord. I know it's full of challenges and heartaches and struggles. But it's the opportunity we have to see you for who you are and to sign up for what you've called us to be. Thank you for that opportunity, Lord. It's it's the most precious thing we have to where we, we sell everything and go buy the field. And we thank you for the truth that's in your word and for 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 preserving it all these years, Lord, to where many of us have multiple copies copies of the Bible. We carry it around daily on our phone. Many have died for it, including your son. Help us to see the importance of it. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Love you guys.